Hey guys, welcome back to You're the Marketing Department, the show to help you and your organization grow. I'm John, and I'll be your host for today's show. I'm joined by Tobin today. Hey everybody, great to be back in the saddle. John, are you excited about this season of uh, You're the Marketing Department? Oh, you know it, I could not be more excited, Tobin. It's going to be a fantastic season. What are you most looking forward to in this season, John? I think we've got some great topics lined up. I'm excited for some hotly uh, contested debates here around yeah it's true different... it's true yeah we're going to be talking about some interesting topics this year rather than going through tactics we went through a lot of tactics last season i think this season we're going to talk about some of the debated topics in marketing and try to bring some light onto those doing a little point counterpoint maybe some quick selling kind of stuff we'll see how it goes but i'm really excited for just the the mix up in this season's content hopefully should be a lot um, of fun should, be, be should go better than the Packers season oh <laughs> you surprise me all the time well, just about as good as the Steelers season, so we'll let and it go. Moving <laughs> and moving on. And moving on. Yes. Let's jump into this week's topic. I think this is going to be a good one. Yeah, this week we're talking about direct mail and whether it's worthwhile. So the question is, is direct mail dead? And I'm going to go ahead and take the stance of, yes, it is dead. And I'm going to be pitching a little bit of some questions at John here, and he's going to try to defend direct mail. Yeah. Kind of like defending, I don't know. <laughs> expired milk <laughs> to a degree <laughs> it's good for something yeah. i don't know if it's good for milk some people have more tolerance for it yeah exactly so i'm gonna go i got five points here to throw up against direct mail and see if it makes sense my biggest first thing or the first thing anyway mm-hmm. is the cost direct mail super expensive we're talking about printing costs so if you want to drop five thousand mailers you got to print five thousand of these and then the postage even if you're getting discounted postage rate every send has a, has a good cost associated with it. When you look at email, where you have create an email template one time, same design cost as a direct mail piece, and you're sending it for pennies per send, you don't have to worry about drops or losses or anything like that inside the mail. I just see the cost of direct mail being exorbitant. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree that definitely on a per send level, the cost of direct mail is higher than the cost of sending an email. But as far as that meaning that direct mail is dead, I don't really see that being the case because ultimately, if you can afford on a person basis to send direct mail, then the question isn't the cost necessarily, but the ROI on your effort. So is it worthwhile Mm. to have that cost incurred from direct mail? So I think you can make an argument that if direct mail produces results, then the cost is worthwhile. Right. So you have to look at your own metrics to balance that out. It's a good point. Good counterpoint, Sean. Thanks, Toby. All right, second. Well, in that same sense trackability right email the beauty Mm -hmm. of email is it's so trackable you have the click-through rate you have the automation software like hubspot you're able to track the click-throughs what they do where they go the whole journey is mapped and tracked whereas direct mail spray and pray marketing where you send out all these things you hope they come to your website if you give them a url times they don't always go to that url so you don't know if that's really a flood of traffic or not it's how you even track something like direct mail. I mean, I definitely think there's truth to that. There's definitely truth to the fact that digital is more trackable than direct mail is. But I think painting with a broad brush and saying that it's not trackable is a little bit inaccurate. I mean, like you said, sure. you can include things like landing pages, uh, set up phone lines. I think there's a lot of ways that you can track direct mail. It may not be as trackable. Right. It's not as accurate, maybe. Yeah. I think it would be inaccurate as well to say that you can't get a handle on how your direct mail is performing. Sure. Good point. Good counterpoint again, or even going into it this far. <laughs> cool. So third point, this is kind of related to cost of send, but just printing, printing costs, printing delays, challenges of printing, and there's a lot of headaches involved with it. So, you know, we factor in the cost of sending, but the printing cost, meaning not just the 
the ink to paper cost, but you know the time spent in proofs, the, just the total effort around printing, which you know, if anyone has ever done a print project versus a digital project, I mean, if you make a mistake on the print, oh my goodness, you're reprinting everything. There's sure. a big cost there, reruns, overruns, things like that. I just see printing as a challenge to direct mail. Just a necessary burden for someone like yourself in a one-man marketing department. Now your whole week is dedicated to proofing and making sure the prints and your stress over making sure the print looks right. Especially if you're doing a segmented list, you got three different proofs to look at. Whereas email, it's you know simpler, less stress. You can always change it at any time. So I think there's the cost, maybe not monetary, but time as well in, in printing things. Yeah, I mean, so certainly printing can be problematic, but I would argue that there's a value to having a tangible thing that your potential customers are holding and seeing and interacting with outside of a screen. So I really do feel like there is value in that, in seeing something, and there's a longer interaction, and there's, there's things you can do with that that you can't do in a screen in an email format. And then additionally, kind of just pushing back, I think there are issues that you run into with digital, with email. Um, when you print something, yeah, you have to get it right because if you make right. a mistake, it's going out to everybody. But with a digital with a digital send, it's going out to so many different devices and screens and stuff that mm. you don't have the control that you would have over a print source. So mm. you don't know how it's going to look in different browsers necessarily. I mean, there's testing for that, but there are sure, factors to consider. Sure. You know, it's not cut and paste necessarily one thing looking the same on every device. Whereas right. a print piece, it's going to look the same in everybody's hands. It's true. Unless you're colorblind. <laughs> That's true. I mean, user error. That's a good point. But I still think there's a lot of challenges in that. But we'll, we'll move on. Okay. To the next piece. That's good. That's good. So getting over from the printed piece itself or the actual email itself to just success, there seems to me in my mind just a huge worry about lists and list quality, mm -hmm. right? So the loss rates in direct mail, I mean, my mailman can't get stuff to me at times. There's just so Where much been, been a flood. <laughs> I mean, just, just think about the, the, you go to YouTube and type in, you know, crazy mail people. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, sure. See, this, the, the, the general feeling I have about the postal industry, which I love that we have a nationalized postal service. I think that's important. It's pretty cool. But that direct mail is just too burdensome for them. They might just throw it in the back of their trucks. I mean, that's obviously speculative. But just the getting the success of that mailer there and just, I think there's a lot of loss rate. So you might send a thousand. I would not be sure that even 900 of them would get there. You have no way of knowing. That's the one thing you really can't track. Sure, it's just a loss rate. You can't see how much actually get delivered. So your impression is always going to be a question mark. You just don't know. Whereas email, you do get that. You do know the impression. You know the deliverability. You can see who made it to the server, who opened it. Every step of that journey is noted. So you just the loss rates in direct mail worry me in a, such a cost scenario where it's like I could spend $1,000 and literally reach no one. They just end up in the floor of a, a post office or the floor of a mail truck or in the trash can or something. That'd be uh, something to think about. Sure. I mean, I, I get what you're saying with that. I think it's kind of comparing apples to oranges because, sure, you can't track that it's delivered and you can't, you don't get that little note like you would at an email send, like, oh, this percentage of it was delivered. But I think, like we mentioned before, just talking about how you can track direct mail, there are ways to track the success of the campaign on certain levels. So if you're tracking success is just knowing whether or not it's delivered of the utmost importance. And then even with email, you know it's getting delivered, but I think that, again, there's something to be said for the interaction that you know you're getting with a print mail piece versus with an email, people may open it and then delete it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so even if you know that your email is getting delivered, is that really justification for saying that it's working? 
Right. That's a good point. Do I have any good points, John? Oh, you've got plenty of good points. Good, John. That's that's balanced. <laughs> All right, last one. See what you can do with this. I think that the nature of direct mail is very um, first impression, meaning that it's a lot of bought lists. It's a lot of spammy type lists. We yeah. call spammy in our sense where – you know, I remember you know buying a house, and all of a sudden I get all this direct mail. Now some of it was profitable right. because it was coupons and stuff, but you know the home buyer list is out there; anyone can get it. And so you get all this junk, and so the idea that the list is what I'd call like a cold list. Yeah. Most direct mail is done in a cold sense. I feel like that goes against everything we do in the digital sense, where it's a user-driven interest. Like when we do our inbound marketing stuff or generate email lists from clients. The client already has the intent. They're interested in the content. We wouldn't send an email to someone who isn't interested. And so that's why same thing why we don't necessarily advocate buying email lists because you're going in so cold, your success is so limited, the cost, no matter what, just becomes a little bit of a shot in the dark. So if I was talking to someone who had a you know $80,000 marketing budget for the year, it'd be really hard for me to, to suggest any activities in that way that are such high risk, possibly low return, Whereas there's some things you can do that would be so sort of a higher return. That's why direct mail kind of gets off. The, you could do email on your own lists very profitably, where I think a direct mail or a purchase list kind of scenario causes some trouble. What do you got for that one, John? <laughs> so what you're saying is that the lists are troublesome in that with email, people are opting into them, and with direct mail, they're not necessarily. In how we would pursue that, yeah. And you can obviously buy email lists, but we don't advocate that for the exact same reason because you're coming into a cold list. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the case. I'm sure that you can construct a direct mail list based on opt-ins in a similar way that you would construct an email list. But you're right. It might be more effort to do that. And kind of the concept of direct mail is a cold call type of concept where you are hitting people with things that they might not necessarily be expecting. So I think that's a valid point too. But I want to say there's one thing that I I think about that I'll give you a counterpoint on is also the challenge that we always feel with that is not everyone has an email address, Mm. which is one challenge we have, right? So, you know, the the kudos I'd give to direct mail on that Mm. is you can, most everybody has an address. You have that ability through bot list to probably reach more people um, and plus, there's so many duplicate email addresses. People use bad email addresses. The, right. the average person has three or four email addresses now, probably more than that. So accuracy, most people don't have three or four houses or residences. So the accuracy of that list may be sharper in that sense. Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit of uh, give and play there, especially if it's a certain market that isn't as digitally friendly or um, you're trying yeah. to reach someone in that sense. Yeah, and I think that's probably going to be the biggest towards direct mail is the demographics that you're targeting if you're targeting a demographic that's less digitally friendly like for example there's a reason why toys r us drops a huge catalog every year because five-year-olds don't have email yeah they (laughs) want to see the pictures of the thing so it makes sense for them to do a catalog drop because an email be going to their parents and they never would get it yeah so that could be what the case is in 2017 i don't know maybe my one-year-old have an email in a year I don't know. She can't read. So. <laughs> don't know she can look at pictures of toys. So there we go. Let's re- recapping that, John. I have to say that I think you got a little bit on me there about trackability. I think there's some valid validity there, but I still think the loss is big. Cost, mm-hmm. I could see some some balance there. Yeah, I think it's and really going to be contextual on cost. Is it right. worthwhile for you? Because obviously it is going to be a, sig- a significant cost, but is it worthwhile? Right. So hopefully that was a good um, rundown of helps helps you think through 
whether direct mail is something you should be doing in your organization and what it makes sense to do. You know, we don't recommend it. Obviously, it's not what we do here um, at New North, and but we you know, interface a lot of clients who do it as part of their overall marketing package. So it's something we've talked about a lot and how it fits in. And even mixing the two, direct mail and email, and how they connect to each other um, is a great way of strategizing both of those pieces, both offline and online interaction, which is a great piece. So hopefully that brought some light to you and your direct mail efforts and uh, makes you think a little bit more about whether you should be doing it this year. John, thanks for running counterpoint on that. Oh, thanks, so Anytime. All right. So we're going to have some fun this year in the You're the Marketing Department podcast. We've got a couple different segments to go through this year. A lot of great ideas. But I'm just going to give you for this time a quick update on what we're going to be doing this year topic-wise. So you can kind of start thinking about chiming in or... Um, we love you to share the podcast with other people out there. But so we just covered direct mail. It's gonna be good. We're gonna talk about marketing automation platforms, Pardot, Marketo, HubSpot. Which one should you be using? Why email marketing is so strong and why it won't die. Um, we're gonna be talking about Facebook's decline. Oh, it's imminent. It's it, it is imminent. It, is it, it is imminent. We'll find out. Point counterpoint. I think for that one. Uh, talk about some some client success. How people did things the right way with digital and how it's making sense. And also how to do things the wrong way with digital. We're actually going to expose a couple failure stories for you to hear how you really can mess this stuff up. It's not gold. It's not perfect. Um, You can mess it up for sure and talk about some of those things. We're going to tell you how to stop buying trade show booths and why we think that's just a bad idea. The answer to how to stop buying trade show booths is pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's really the why you should stop (laughs) buying it, but... The how is just not doing what you would normally do. Really just trade shows, or maybe how you should approach trade shows from a different perspective. SEO, wasting your time. That's kind of you know an interesting topic there, how you could be doing it the wrong way or why, why you're not getting fruit from it. Three signs you should leave your job, um, which is always a good one. Why? Number one, you, you've been fired. Yeah, well, you've already been asked to leave at that point. <laughs> um, but just things to think about, such as, you know, can you truly reach your potential in an organization or is the organization ripe for good marketing. I mean, it's hard. It's frustrating to be in a position where you know the right thing to do, but there's too much bureaucracy or red tape or leadership is doesn't have the ability to see that and how to help them see that. And if they can't see it, there's other people out there who would love to have your vision. So something about there. Talking about inbound leads and lead management, why you should burn all of your marketing books. I'm excited for that one. As a post <laughs> I wrote a while ago, I'm going to recap that. So that's our show for this week. Thanks for tuning in. You can always check out our website, newnorth.com, and find the podcast link there. John, it's been great working with you. It's been a lot of fun, Tobin. Always a great discussion. Always. Excellent. Take care. All right. Signing off. Abhidu Zay. Still Abhidu Zay.